Russian President Vladimir Putin called the U.S. dollar's drop in dominance, quote, objective and irreversible during the recent BRICS summit in South Africa, as Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa formally agreed to use local currencies instead of the U.S. dollar. It's the first shoe to drop. As demand for the dollar weakens, the buying power of the dollar also weakens. That's why Birch Gold Group is busier than ever. Investors and savers are looking to harness the power of physical gold held in a tax-sheltered IRA. Text MONICA to 989-898 for your free info kit on gold. Thousands of happy customers, an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and countless five-star reviews, you can count on Birch Gold to help you navigate transitioning an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. As the U.S. dollar continues to receive pressure from foreign countries, digital currency, and central banks, arm yourself with information on how to protect your savings. Just text MONICA to 989-898 to claim your free info kit from Birch Gold Group right now. Hi, guys. I'm Monica Crowley, and this is the Monica Crowley Podcast. Thank you so much for being with me here on this Monday as we kick off a brand new week in Biden's America. Buckle in. This is your go-to for hot liberty, a safe space for all of us thought criminals, independent thinkers, and happy warriors. Please check me out on social media. My Instagram is at Monica Crowley underscore at Monica Crowley underscore and on Twitter and Truth Social at Monica Crowley. You can also send me an email about this show to Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. Again, Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. I read them all. I see them all and I might read yours on the air. So shoot me an email. I look at all of them. All right. Well, we are starting a brand new week and I want to deal with a couple of the big issues that were brought to the surface by last week's Supreme Court decisions. So we're going to talk about that. And I am just so tired of these celebrities who are like, I'm out of here. We're going to talk about that as well. Plus, we are going to speak with New York Senate candidate, uh, Republican Joe Pinion, who you may know from Newsmax. He's been on the air there for a while. He is just a fantastic, brilliant guy. And he is now the Republican nominee for the U.S. Senate. He is going to be uh, challenging Senator Chuck Schumer, who, of course, is the Senate Majority Leader, very powerful. It's a very tall order in a state like New York. And also when you're facing a brass knuckles power operator like Schumer, who, by the way, I I talked to a major player in Washington a couple of years ago when the show House of Cards was really big. Remember that? And Kevin Spacey before Me Too and everything blew up his whole career. He blew up his own career. But um, I remember asking this person who had been in D.C. for a long time, you know, is there anybody that is even remotely like Frank Underwood, Kevin Spacey's power player, who was like killing people and doing all this crazy stuff? And he said, yeah, there's only one, and it's Chuck Schumer. 
I don't think Chuck Schumer is killing people, although one never knows in Washington. But uh, his point was Schumer is the ultimate player in Washington in terms of uh, ruthless behavior, relentlessly ruthless behavior. So he's a very difficult guy uh, to try to take out of his position, but Joe Pinion could do it. I mean, if there's any year that this could happen, this is the year this red wave tsunami kind of year. So Joe Pinion is a good friend and he is a phenomenal candidate and he is going to join us. So you're not going to want to miss that. Plus your emails. And one more thing before we get started. On Wednesday this week, on Wednesday, we are going to speak with Kellyanne Conway who is my longtime friend and, of course, uh, premier pollster and then, of course, ran President Trump's presidential uh, campaign, the first woman to run a successful presidential campaign back in 2016. And, of course, she went into the White House and had big influence in the Trump administration. And she's just phenomenal. She's got her new memoir out. And we are going to have an extensive conversation with Kellyanne right here on Wednesday. So tune in for that. Okay, first up here today, though, the Monica Memo. It is absolutely incredible that the most pro-life president in American history, Donald Trump, appointed three Supreme Court justices that made overturning Roe versus Wade possible. And at the same time, It was overturned during the most pro-abortion administration in U.S. history, this one. God knows what he's doing, and God loves irony, doesn't he? The most pro-life president made this moment possible, which took place during the most pro-abortion administration in U.S. history. It's really incredible and uh, no coincidences in life, I don't think. So we've had the predictable unhinged reaction to the overturning of Roe versus Wade by the lunatic left. We all knew that this was going to happen, but I mean, they've, they're, they're literally, their minds are being broken. But what's incredible too is that we're not seeing, at least not yet, and I guess that could change over the course of the summer. But usually when you get an event like this, you get people in the streets immediately because the left has standing armies ready to go. The right does not have that. We don't have people ready to go into the streets with placards and bullhorns and screaming and yelling at the drop of a hat. We will motivate ourselves like the Tea Party or the America First movement. We will do that, but we need some leadership and it takes a little bit of time. But it doesn't mean we don't get angry. We just don't usually act out the way the left does. I mean, we we almost never do anything illegal. Um, But it takes time because we don't have these standing armies like the left does. And what's been stunning to me over the last couple of days since we got this decision on Friday is that the left has put some people in the streets. We have seen protests that have erupted in places like California, where abortion is going to remain totally legal, you're going to have full access. If you want to go and do that in California, no problem. And yet the protests erupted there, 
I mean, this is liberal mentality, whatever, but they're doing it in California. They're in the streets a little bit in places like New York and and, uh, Washington, D.C. But by and large, you're not seeing this nationwide mobilization against the decision. Now, prominent liberals are really pissed, of course. And when you watch uh, Twitter feeds like Libs of TikTok, if you're not following Libs of TikTok, you must. It is a fantastic uh, account that all it does, all it does is just post TikToks from lunatic fringe people on the left. And she just recycles these and puts them up, sometimes with commentary, sometimes not. But what I noticed over the weekend is she was posting these TikToks of Americans, not people like AOC or Joe Biden or Kamala Harris, but Americans who are so angry about all of this. But what's striking is they all look like they are demonically possessed and and I don't use that lightly. I mean, I listen, I am a person of faith and I believe evil is very real. And we've had this conversation on this podcast before about the nature of evil and how real it, it really is. But these these people who are taking to social media, they are literally seething. And it just looks like demons are coming out of them or demons have possessed them because they're seething. It's almost like in The Exorcist where Linda Blair's head spins around. Like you're watching this and you're expecting the head to be spinning around. And as I'm watching these videos over the weekend, I'm thinking, well, yeah, I mean, hell is seething right now. The enemy is really seething right now because there's going to be some killing of the babies in America and places like New York and California. But as a nationwide law, as the law of the land, Roe versus Wade is gone. So the killing of the babies is going to be more difficult. Not impossible, but difficult. And so hell is burning even brighter, uh, more on fire. The heat is coming even more. But these people, their faces are contorted They've got the demonic eyes, and and in some cases, the demonic voices come out. There was a video over the weekend that that sort of went a little viral among conservative accounts of a man approaching a guy. The man who approached him was very uh, pro-abortion, and he was screaming at this guy who was remained very calm. And he said, oh, you're upset that you're, you won't be able to kill babies as easily anymore. Do you like killing babies? So he provoked the guy, but the guy was like a, a clear lunatic. And the guy comes flying over to him and he leans closely into his face and his whole body changed. And the voice became like, yes, I love killing babies. I'm not kidding. Like, I'm really not exaggerating. Go Google it or try to look it up on social media. So there's something bigger going on here. And you and I have talked about this, about the spiritual nature of the war that we are in. Oh, it's real. It's real. And it's there. And it's, it's pretty apparent. Anyway, so on top of the demons that we're seeing running wild, you also have 
major voices uh, threatening now to leave the country in the wake of Roe v. Wade being overturned. We've got Billy Ray Armstrong, the lead singer of the group Green Day, who, by the way, years ago when Bush was president, hated him so much that they actually called one of their albums American Idiot. So they, they loathe this country, even though they've gotten very wealthy off the backs of this country, us, fans, capitalism, you name it. So Billy Ray Armstrong has said, this is it. This is the straw that breaks the camel's back. He's done. He's renouncing his citizenship. And he punctuated it by saying, F America. So bye. <laughs> bye. I have nothing more to say, but bye. Don't let the door hit you, Billy Ray. I mean, remember when these celebrities pulled this, when George W. Bush won, and then he won again, and then the Iraq War, and all of this. And and then, of course, when Trump won, that really set them off. But it's like Alec Baldwin, Barbara Streisand, all of these left-wing losers. They just go out there, and they have these tantrums. America sucks. I'm leaving. Bye. And, of course, they never leave because America is great. And they got rich here, and they enjoy rights here that they can't have anywhere else. So they know that they're not going anywhere. But they do enjoy the publicity that they get when they stomp their feet and say, I'm leaving. Hate this country. I'm out of here. Bye. So whatever. No one cares about uh, Billy Ray Armstrong. No one will miss you, Billy Ray. I mean, if you're... if you. <laughs> If you're doing this because you think people are going to be clamoring for you to say, oh, no, oh, no, America cannot go on without Billy Ray Armstrong. Oh, the founders did not foresee this. Billy Ray Armstrong leaving the country. Oh, no. How will we ever survive? Oh, no. (laughs) No one cares. But other Democrats are complaining uh, in other ways. Well, let's hit a quick break here because... When we come back, I want to break down, Kamala Harris put out a tweet, and, you know, I was in communications in the Trump administration, and when I saw this tweet, I was like, okay, Democrats not sending their best into the administration's comms area. So we're going to talk about that, and I've got a few other things, plus Joe Pinion is going to be here, so sit tight. Okay, everybody, listen up. We all want to be healthier, right? Well, to get there, we have to have a healthier diet, which is not always easy to do. I can attest to that. You know, that shredded lettuce in a double-double and the fruit filling in a donut are amazing, but they do not count toward the recommended five servings of fruits and vegetables a day. Sorry to be the one to break it to you, but they don't. I don't always eat healthy either, but I will share that the Mayo Clinic says if you want to help prevent heart disease, lower blood pressure, and cholesterol, eat five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. I don't, and you probably won't. That's why I take Field of Greens. Unlike other supplements, each fruit and each vegetable in Field of Greens was medically selected by doctors to support your vital organs, like the heart, lungs, kidneys, and the immune system. Flu season is here, and I trust Field of Greens to help me stay healthy. Field of Greens works fast and tastes so good. It's really delicious, guys, and you'll feel better with more energy 
And you'll notice your skin, hair, and nails will look healthier too. I certainly noticed that in me since I started taking Field of Greens. If you don't always eat right and exercise, join me and take Field of Greens. Let me get you started with 15% off your first order. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code MONICA. That's promo code MONICA at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. Okay, welcome back. So we're talking about the left wing's predictable unhinged response to the overturning of Roe v. Wade, which is actually quite delicious. Okay, uh, because so far, at least in the streets, the reaction has been rather muted because people have built in to their thinking about the country and about politics and the culture. They've built in Roe v. Wade and now it's overturned. But the polling has been trending for quite a while in the direction of pro-life. Um, and at the very least, um, abortion to be legal, but with a lot of restrictions, including up to, what, 12 weeks, 15 weeks uh, in certain areas and beyond that, no, with a few exceptions, rape, incest, life of the mother. So the, the trend lines have been going away from unfettered abortion and toward pro-life positions in this country for quite a while. That's a function of the pro-life movement working at this for 50 years, preying on it, uh, and just mobilizing in every direction to get it done. But it's also a function of technology. Ultrasounds, sophisticated technology, showing, in fact, that, yeah, that really is a baby in there. That is a human life. And it's changed a lot of people's opinions because they can see the actual human being in the womb. And... So a lot of people have said, you know, as a moral position, this is no longer entirely defensible. So while all of that was happening at the same exact time, the Democrats and the left were moving in the other direction. They were going more extreme on abortion. They were going to full partial birth abortion. They wanted that legalized all the way up to the moment of birth. There's very little difference between being nine months in labor, ready to go, and a couple of hours later you have a baby in your arms and the Democrats were like, mm, we, we want to be able to kill that baby all the way up till that moment of birth. So they went in the exact opposite direction from where most of the country has been going. So that's why I think you've seen this muted response to the overturning of Roe v. Wade. So uh, that's part of it. But what's really incredible is that the Democrats, the Democrats, I don't think at all knew how to handle any of this because they didn't really expect it. I think they expected Roe v. Wade to be in place forever. Um, And I want to talk about that here in a second. But Kamala Harris, and I mentioned this before the break, she put out a tweet over the weekend, when was this? June 24. Yeah. So uh, when the decision came out, she puts out this tweet. And you can look it up. It's on her official account. But she's on her Air Force Two jet. So she's on her private plane. 
Okay. And she tweeted out a picture of her standing in one of her cabins watching a flat screen TV of coverage of the overturning of Roe. And it's, of course, on CNN. Someone should get in there and put it on Fox or Fox Business. But anyway, it's on CNN. She's watching the coverage. She's standing there with her chin in her hand, like very pensively, somberly watching the coverage. And this is what she tweets with that picture. I know there are women out there who are afraid. To those of you who feel alone and scared, I want you to know the president and I are fighting for you and your rights. We are in this fight together. Okay, well, holy hell broke loose from that. Now it seems on the surface like a a pretty innocuous kind of tweet, right? Well, the left went crazy over this. And in fact, the New York Magazine contributing writer, Hillary Kelly, wrote this on her Twitter feed. She retweeted that and she said, could you be specific? Like, how are you fighting? Describe the tactics, explain the policy, give us the rundown. So they were calling Kamala Harris out for being too vague and meaningless. And Biden has done, you know, Biden's been out there with the same, well, we're going to fight. You know, this calls to mind too, because I cover the economy a lot, as you guys know, because I had two years at Treasury and deeply immersed in these issues. When they say, whether it's Biden or Harris or Brian Deese or Janet Yellen, any of the top economic advisors to Biden, when they come out and say, well, we're doing all we can to fight inflation, The next question is exactly this. Well, how exactly are you doing that? How? Tell us, give us the policy. What specifically are you doing to fight inflation? Well, they're doing nothing. In fact, they're making it worse with student loan forgiveness and all this other crap that they're doing, more spending. They continue to propose more spending and they just spent another 450 million bucks on Ukraine, which remains a giant ruling class slush fund, right? But the specific question, like press them, like how specifically are you trying to alleviate inflation? Well, they're not. And nobody in the press wants to ask them that on the economic issues. But on this, oh, the left was all over them. How specifically are you going to fight for abortion rights, lady? How are you going to do it? So on killing of the babies, you get plenty of follow-up questioning from the left and from the press. But on things impacting all of us every day, like inflation and the weakening economy and the supply chain crisis, no follow-up whatsoever. More on this. So an actor named James Urbaniak uh, put on Twitter, uh, Kamala Harris wants you to know, we are watching TV. (laughs) Um, 36,000 feet above everything watching on a big ass TV in a private plane. And the message is we're in this together. I'm not sure you guys get where the rest of us are right now. This was from Daily Coast writer, Joan McCarter. Uh, Another writer, Anna Gifty tweeted, not VIP Kamala Harris watching the erosion of Roe v. Wade from her plane at a distance. Whoever thought this was a good photo op needs to be fired immediately. This is literally the embodiment of thoughts and prayers. Sports writer Trent Reinsmith similarly echoed, so more or less thoughts and prayers. 
And then Ernest Owens, editor-at-large for Philadelphia Magazine, tweeted back to Kamala, change his mind on this, meaning Biden, change his mind on changing the filibuster to protect abortion rights, and I'll believe you. So Kamala Harris clearly getting pounded here, and, and so many others. You know, the, the left for years has been lecturing us about the sins of questioning our sacred institutions. While at the same time, those left-wing politicians have attacked all of our institutions, but now the Supreme Court as illegitimate. And they're out there saying that this ruling should be ignored along with the gun ruling that we got on Thursday. So do you see what's really going on here? The January 6th thing, same thing. Oh, this was an attack on our institutions at the exact same moment that, and this has been going on a long time, that they are doing everything within their their realm to tear down our institutions. They want to pack the court. Uh, Keith Olbermann screaming about abolishing the court. They don't give a flying wit about our institutions. In fact, our institutions get in the way of what they want to do, which is this neo-communist revolution that's underway right here. And these left-wing radicals, they are following this rhetoric to its logical endpoint. They're ignoring rule of law with violent protest. Again, we saw some of that over the weekend. It, Like I said, it was relatively minor, relatively muted, but that just might be the beginning because they always look for a pretext to ratchet it up. I think they're very disappointed that the protests weren't more radical over the weekend and that they weren't more violent. We saw some violence in Portland as well, but they wanted this to be a nationwide outpouring of anger and frustration and outrage, and it didn't really happen. So it might be just the beginning, and there may be something else, like George Floyd's murder set off a whole chain reaction. There could be something else that's going to happen, but this is just the beginning here, could be, and this summer could be a hot summer, especially with the Attorney General Merrick Garland's refusal to enforce the law. Check out AOC. Here is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, or Sandy, as Tucker Carlson calls her, threatening impeachment against Clarence Thomas and other justices. She's out here screaming that there must be consequences for the hostile takeover of our institutions. Listen to her. If we allow Supreme Court nominees to lie under under oath and secure lifetime appointments to the highest court of the land and then issue issue without basis, if you read these opinions, issue without basis rulings that deeply undermine the human and civil rights of, of, the, of the majority of Americans, we must see that through. There must be consequences for such a deeply destabilizing action and hostile takeover of our democratic institutions. So she is calling for this radical move of impeachment of Supreme Court justices because she said there have to be consequences for what she calls and the left calls the hostile takeover of our institutions. You know what that is, you guys? Pure projection. Pure projection. They are masters of accusing us of what they themselves are guilty of. 
they have done a hostile takeover of our institutions. They want to destroy those institutions from within, and they're having pretty good success so far, right? So Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, at your service. Our side is merely trying to score some victories in trying to regain control over those institutions and bring America back. And this is why you have the left with their heads literally spinning around like in The Exorcist. We're going to have more on this uh, as the week continues here because they've grabbed control of the country. They're going bananas when a little bit of their control slips from their grasp like this. And I, I want to make one other point here uh, before we go. You know, you've got celebrities like John Oliver on his HBO show last night screaming at the Democrats like, that's your reaction, Kamala Harris's tweet. The frustration and the fury is they lose like a little corner of this massive area that they control and they can't deal with it because they're used to total control of our institutions, of our media, of our politics, of our culture, of all of it. And when they lose just a little corner of it, and granted, Roe v. Wade is a big corner, so they they have lost a big corner here. That's true. But when they lose, they cannot take it because they're not used to it and they can't afford to lose any lever of power that they have over all of us and over their revolution for control of the country. They have had, and this is a big point, They have had several opportunities, including right now, or they did, we're heading into an election now, but they've had a couple of opportunities to codify Roe versus Wade into law, including President Obama's first year when they briefly had a filibuster-proof majority. And they, they had several chances, not just then, but they've had a couple of chances and they never did it. Why? Ask yourselves, why? Why didn't they do it legislatively? Because they wanted to keep the fires burning to inflame their base, fundraise off of it, keep their voters motivated. So they figured they had the best of all worlds. Roe would never be overturned, and they could also use the fear of its overturning to get their voters coming back. Whoops. Bad miscalculation. Sorry, suckers. Keep those heads spinning. Before we hit this quick break, I just want to take a moment to welcome a great new sponsor, Birch Gold Group. You know, you hear me talk a lot about how the economy is weakening. It's slowing down. It actually shrank in the first quarter by negative 1.5%. A lot of people talking about the R word, recession. And I don't need to tell you about skyrocketing inflation, which you see every single day. We're at 40-year highs on inflation. Then you look at the stock market, also not so great. Amazon down 37% in the first half of this year. Tesla down 40%. Cryptos have been absolutely slammed. And a lot of people are worried that the aggressive move And a lot of people are worried that the aggressive moves by the Fed could stall the U.S. economy. So what's your plan? You better get one. Now might be a very good time for you to diversify into gold, the most stable asset in the history of the world. 
And Birch Gold Group is the company I trust to help you convert an IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold and silver. So text them. Text Monica to 989-898 and get your free no-obligation info kit on gold from the Birch Gold Group. They are the precious metals professionals that I trust. They are fantastic. Text Monica to 989-898 and secure your savings now. To help secure your future and your family's future, text Monica to 989-898 right now. I'm Monica Crowley. When we come back, we're going to talk to New York GOP Senate candidate Joe Pinion about his campaign to take on Chuck Schumer. Nothing is impossible. Have faith. Sit tight. I'm so happy to welcome to the program my friend, Joe Pinion. Joe has been longtime media personality. You've seen him all over Newsmax. He's just an extraordinary person. He's an advocate, entrepreneur, political news commentator, and now he is the Republican candidate for the U.S. Senate in New York, facing off against Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer in November. And he joins me now. Joe, welcome. Monica, thank you so much for having me. Always good to join you. Excited about having the wonderful conversation about how we can send Chuck Schumer packing after 42 years down in D.C. Well, we are certainly going to do that, uh, Joe. And I want to tell everybody that your campaign website is joepinion.com. It's J-O-E, Joe, and then Pinion is P-I-N-I-O-N, joepinion.com. So please go check him out and support him however you're able because he's really one of a kind. Um, Joe, so it's great. I've been seeing you in person over the last couple of weeks on TV and so on as we've been on together. And I said, I got to have you on the podcast to talk about your Senate campaign. So tell us where you are in the campaign, what your polling shows, because a lot of people say, hey, wait a minute, New York, like California, deep blue state, Chuck Schumer is such a towering figure on the left. How are you going to go about doing this? So before we get into your actual campaign plan, tell us where we are in this race and what your polling is showing. So, yeah, obviously, we're excited about where we are currently. I mean, certainly uh, we got into this race uh, believing that Chuck Schumer was no longer the same man that won with 70 percent of the vote six years ago. The polling numbers suggest that there are plenty of New Yorkers who believe that statement to be true. Uh, last April, he was polling at 37% with in, uh, independence. Uh, today, he is currently polling at 33% with independence. That's not my Joe Pinion opinion. Uh, that is the public polling that is done by Siena College. Uh, certainly no friend to the Republican cause. Uh, he is polling three-month average with about 48% of the overall electorate. So any way you want to slice it, uh, Chuck Schumer is as vulnerable as you can ever expect any incumbent to be. And we have a one wonderful opportunity in this election to give New Yorkers a real chance to have a real choice to be successful and victorious come November 8th in this election. It really is the year for Republicans to have clear shots in deep blue districts and deep blue states uh, because we do have this massive red wave, this this tsunami that is building across so many issues. And, and I want to get into some of the issues with you, Joe, but if there is any year where a Republican 
Republican candidate like yourself, who is brilliant and articulate and and really aligned with most voters on economic issues and other things, this is the year. So uh, you you do have an opportunity here to take out Chuck Schumer, and it's really fascinating that the polling is showing that there's an opportunity here. Absolutely. And I think, again, it's easy for people to uh, reflexively write off New York. Uh, But again, uh, at some point, uh, the pain threshold that New Yorkers are experiencing has become uh, so undeniable uh, that there are people who typically don't even look at Republicans on the ballot, really reassessing what they want for their lives, for their families' lives, um, and to make sure that they have an American experience uh, worth the promise that we enshrine in our founding documents. And so uh, that is what we are taking all across this state, as we've told people, to tell the untold story of New York, uh, to say that if you are unhappy with the world as it is today, you cannot vote uh, for the men who built it. Chuck Schumer built uh, this world, the New York that leads the nation in outward migration. That is his legacy piece. And we're going to let people know that the abnormal conditions they are suffering through, they no longer have to endure alone. We're going to help send Chuck Schumer packing and hold him accountable come November 8th this year. You know, that is a really important point, Joe, and I'm glad that you made it because I've been talking about this a little bit on this podcast. There is on the left and, you know, traditionally Democratic voters, they tend not to link their vote with the consequences of their vote. So they will vote reflexively Democrat their entire lives and then wonder why their cities are in such a chaotic, violent mayhem of a mess um, or why their economy stinks or why they can't find a job or why their taxes are so high. So I appreciate the fact that you are really putting the work in in terms of educating Democratic voters that there there are serious consequences to the way you have been voting, but you don't have to continue voting that way. And if you don't and give Republicans like me a chance, your life and your family's life will improve for the better. Well, look, I I think for us, you know, it's really about being able to let people know that, yes, Chuck Schumer is a national figure. Yes, what Chuck Schumer does in the name of New Yorkers impacts the entire nation. And we all know as New York goes, so goes the nation. But it's also about letting people know that this is not about asking them to choose the Republican Party. This is about asking them to choose themselves, to choose common sense, to choose common purpose and common decency. And it is a side-by-side comparison, not left versus right, but right versus wrong. And all the things that we care about as Americans, as parents, as grandparents, uh, we have been too wrong for too long on Chuck Schumer's watch. Uh, I think we talked about it recently, the fact that uh, we lead the nation uh, in outward migration, one, but then number two, uh, that quietly as it's kept, Rochester, New York, is the most dangerous place to live uh, per capita, top five. Uh, more dangerous than Chicago, Illinois. Uh, You go down a little bit further to Syracuse, New York. It has the highest concentration of child poverty uh, in the nation. You go down a little further. You get to New York City, where we saw shootings go up 90%, homicide go up uh, 30%. 
because of the defunding of the police that Chuck Schumer ignored. Uh, here in New York City, that has become effectively ground zero for the spike in anti-Semitism, uh, where we have the highest concentration of Jewish people not living in Israel, they call New York State home. And so we are going to continue to tell the untold story of New York that Chuck Schumer wants to ignore, uh, because again, these are not talking points. This is real pain, real suffering for real Americans that should never have come to pass because people like Chuck Schumer accumulate power in our name and then never use that power to make our lives that's the improve. Uh, amen to that. We're talking to Joe Pinion. He is a Republican Senate candidate in the state of New York going up against Chuck Schumer. Um, you, you know, every once in a while, deep blue areas you know, the American people, Joe, will put up with a lot until they don't. And every once in a while, the deep blue areas will push back and you will see a change. And in places like California and New York, although it hasn't happened for quite a while, but voters will choose Republicans for their member of Congress. Uh, they'll switch out a mayor once in a while, or they'll switch out a governor and take a chance on a Republican governor. But it's rare that when you're talking federal office, like United States Senate, for example, that's more difficult to do. That's more difficult to get people to switch their votes. So what is your plan in going up against Chuck Schumer and appealing to a New Yorker's sense of, you know, economic insecurity and physical insecurity with crime rates? How are you going to appeal to them directly? I, I think for us, it's really just drilling down to the local to tell people that you cannot afford uh, to cut off your nose and spite your face and ignore your local pain in the name of sending a national message. Uh, the issues that impact your life are in some ways outside the capacity of your governor to fix. When you talk about the fact that we have mothers and fathers are crying about children who have lost their life to drug overdoses driven by the fentanyl. Uh, because we have this open sesame policy on the southern border that has been rubber stamped by Chuck Schumer, uh, that has led fentanyl now to be the leading cause of death for all people aged 18 to 45. Uh, that is not an issue that your governor can end wall to wall. That is an issue that you need somebody in the Senate who is going to take seriously. Uh, Chuck Schumer does not take the issue seriously. If he did, we wouldn't be in the predicament that we're in today with the secret flights going into regional airports everywhere from Abilene, Texas to Westchester here in New York. So uh, we know what's happening right now, that they are trying to build an America into something it has never intended to be by embracing policies that have never worked in the history of the world. And I think issue by issue, I might not be able to show people that Chuck Schumer is bad for America. I might not be able to convince your average independent or your average Democrat that he is certainly uh, bad for New York, but I can show how he's bad for their county. I can show how his decisions have adversely impacted their children, have created a New York state where 60% of the children that attend our public schools uh, do not read at a proficient level because he has allowed your children's dreams and aspirations to be held hostage by a teacher's union that is more concerned with what is good for their members than their primary obligation, which is to make sure that we have children that get the tools they need to become the best version of themselves. And so uh, it is a certainly a tireless march, but it is worth the effort. Uh, that's why I quit my job to do it, uh, because I know that America is worth the fight. And I certainly know that New York is worth the effort. You're so good, Joe. You're just so good, which is why I wanted to have you on the podcast. So, you know, Chuck Schumer 
Part of your message is Schumer has been so busy driving this leftist revolution in Washington, D.C., that he really hasn't been focused on his state. But then the counter to that is, well, he's delivered a lot for New York State in terms of money, resources, projects, you name it. So how do you counter that, like just the the basic crass political calculation that Schumer brings home the bacon for New York because he's such a senior uh, Democrat, he's so senior in the U.S. Senate? How do you counter that? Well, look, there's the difference between the numbers on the spreadsheet and then the actual impact on the common man. Uh, As I often say now, in all seriousness, uh, if Chuck Schumer was truly bringing home the bacon, uh, why does it feel as if your belly is empty? And I think that there are New Yorkers all across this state uh, who see the press conference come to town where he uses their pain as a backdrop uh, to put himself uh, in front of the spotlight. Then he leaves town and the actual resources that were promised rarely materialize or what does actually come to pass pales in comparison to what was promised. And so that is how you end up in a situation where you have people in North Country, in many ways, in the shadow of Canada. They're closer to Canada in North Country than they are in some places to Albany, New York, or even New York City. Uh, And they're looking at their friends across the border, uh, making on average $20,000 and $30,000 more per year than they are. Uh, That is because, again, of actual fiscal policies that have debased the American dream by propping up the needs of the global workforce over the American worker. Uh, We are living through the substance of America last. We saw the power of America first, and it's time for us to have leadership here in New York that's going to prioritize the needs of the New York workers uh, who have been left behind, prioritize the needs of creating a business environment that actually makes sense, makes businesses want to flow to New York. And many of those things can start at the federal level by leveraging the power of the federal purse to create incentives that allow for the local landscape to be one that is palatable because local municipalities only get to play uh, Russian roulette uh, and utopia building on paper uh, with federal dollars when the federal government allows them to do so. Mm -hmm. You know, when we are looking at uh, polling numbers across the country, we are seeing that the Democrats' core constituencies are leaving the Democratic Party in droves. Black voters, Latino voters, women, younger voters, just across the board, they're, they're hemorrhaging support uh, from them. So are you and your campaign reaching out to those core groups? Are you doing a lot of outreach with this message? Sure, absolutely. And you know, we have said from day one that we are going to build an uncommon coalition, a uh, coalition that includes the law enforcement officers who realize that their lives have become uh, more dangerous on Chuck Schumer's watch. Uh, watched 125% increase in ambush assaults on law enforcement last year. Uh, We're telling them, if you want to no longer live in fear, join this campaign. We're going to uh, those African-American families and telling them that Chuck Schumer has been a professional hostage taker, that he takes their dreams and he holds them hostage with fear. Uh, He goes to the Black mother and says, we don't get to talk about the fact that one out of three Black children in this state live in poverty or that three out of five Black children in the Bronx live in poverty because there is a boogeyman uh, known as a white supremacist lurking in the shadows. 
uh, when we know for a fact that the largest impediment to progress for Black people are Black children trapped in schools uh, that in many ways do not teach them properly, Black children trapped in communities that have been turned into shooting galleries by criminals with illegal guns, uh, not this assault on lawful gun ownership that we see time and time again uh, from the Democrats. So uh, that is what we're going to do to go to the Hispanic communities. I was just out on Long Island uh, talking to a robust portion of that base out on Long Island uh, for the Republican Hispanic Association, uh, letting them know that they have a partner uh, in this campaign in our effort to make sure that their voices can be heard. Uh, They don't want to see the crime. Uh, We have in many ways uh, defunded the police. Uh, We have refunded uh, the Iran deal in many ways, uh, letting the Russians negotiate it on our behalf. And now, even here on Long Island, we've seen the resurgence in MS-13 because of the fact that we have, again, this open sesame policy on the southern border. So issue by issue, we're here to tell people, again, it is not left versus right, whether you're left of Bernie, whether you're right of Donald Trump. We need common sense. We need common purpose. And we need leadership that actually cares about the 19 million and shrinking. They still call New York home. Well, I have to tell every New Yorker, you would be absolutely lucky, so fortunate to have Joe Pinion replace Chuck Schumer as a United States senator representing the Empire State. Joe, it is pathetic that the Empire State, which should be number one ranked in terms of uh, economic competitiveness and business-friendly environment and education, test scores... Every metric you look at, New York is at or near the bottom of the barrel. It's like number 48, 49, 50 in the entire country on these metrics. That is unacceptable. And I know how much you love this state. I know how much you love America. You will make an outstanding and much needed United States senator. So we are behind you 1,000%. I am so happy to have you here. This is Joe Pinion, the Republican Senate candidate going up against Chuck Schumer in November. His campaign website is Joe Pinion, P-I-N-I-O-N, JoePinion.com. Please go there. Support him however you can because we need him in Washington, D.C. Joe, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Monica. And again, just letting people know if they can hear my voice, if they can hear your voice, uh, they can help us get the job done to remove Chuck Schumer. Because again, uh, what he does uh, down in D.C. for New Yorkers, it impacts the entire nation. He's got two offices down there in D.C., one as a Senate majority leader and one as a senior senator for New York. In both offices, the needs of New Yorkers are at the bottom of the pile. But also in both of those offices, he has subverted the true purpose of this nation to be a nation that pursues that more perfect dream uh, for every single American. We have to make that dream true again. It's going to start on November 8th with the help of all of you to send Chuck Schumer to the retirement home of politics once and for all. Just fantastic, Joe. And I cannot wait for that debate in the fall between you and Chuck Schumer. (laughs) We're going to need your help to hold them accountable. You know, the media is just going to like to pretend nothing's happened here, but uh, we're going to show them a thing or two. Oh, I cannot wait. Joe, keep going. Rock on. We are behind you 100%. Joe Pinion, JoePinion.com. Isn't Joe Pinion so good? He's so good. That's why I wanted to have him on the show. And in a just world, New Yorkers would see how good he is and how necessary for the U.S. Senate he is and will send Chuck Schumer packing. Again, I know it's an uphill battle, but anything is possible, especially this year. 
man, the winds of change are all around us. So again, check out Joe Pinion. Now, to get to your emails, let's dip into the email bag, shall we? David writes about, uh, remember last week or a week and a half ago, I did a show about President Nixon. And because it was the 50th anniversary of the Watergate break-in, I talked a little bit about him and about how I got that job with him, which changed my life. So David writes in about my story about how I got that job with President Nixon, and he asks a very good question. Hi, Monica. Great story about how you landed your job working for Nixon. That's an example of old-fashioned initiative, something we need more of in young people today. However, what I really want to know is, how far did you get in your summer reading? Did you make it through the Kissinger memoirs? And did you follow up to meet with your professor to discuss what you had learned over the summer? He was testing you, that professor. How bad did you want it? Only a few make it all the way up the river to the spawning ground. As a young person, to follow my ambition, I worked as hard as I possibly could. There was no amount of hard work and nothing ethical, clean, and legal that I wouldn't do for a better opportunity. David, I absolutely loved your email. You are exactly right. It's a great point. You know, when you truly want something, you put in all of the work and you make all of the sacrifices to achieve it. I have done that throughout my entire career, including, and I'm not a particularly morning person, including working like the 3 a.m. shift on radio, early morning television, what, whatever it took, um, I, I did that as well. And I still do. That's the basis for success. And, you know, David, people talk about luck, and maybe there's a little bit of luck involved, but it's really about hard work determination, perseverance. And I appreciate that. So thank you. And I I agree that younger people need to get a better handle on that and what it takes, really what it takes. As to your question about how far I got that summer with the reading, you know, just to remind everybody about the story, my professor who I went to for advice about how to build a career in American foreign policy, national security, He went to his bookcase and he chose four books and he gave four to me to read over the summer. He said, come back in the the fall. We'll talk about what you've learned from them and how to build out a career. So I, I made the joke about how two of the four books were Kissinger's memoirs, each one of which is well over a thousand pages. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going to start with those. I'll start with this book by President Nixon, which I read, blew me away. I wrote him a letter and it changed my life. So David wants to know, did I actually read the other three? And, you know, to be honest, I can't remember what the third one was, but I know, and I can honestly tell you, I actually did read all four books that summer, including those Kissinger memoirs, all 2,000 pages of them. And they're really important as historical works and really interesting as well. So I recommend uh, Kissinger's memoirs, White House years, and then years of upheaval, those two volumes. They are long, but they are phenomenal history. So yes, David, I I read all four (laughs) books. Um, And I will say I did go back to my professor in the fall and we talked about it. We had long conversations about what I had learned and uh, by that time, President Nixon had written to me, so my career was already set on a path. I didn't really know it at the time, but it was already set on a path. 
So David, really thoughtful email. Thank you so much for that. And guys, keep those great emails coming. Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. All right, that is going to do it for me on this Monday. Thank you so much for spending part of your week with me. We've got another big show coming up on Wednesday. I'm going to be joined by Kellyanne Conway. You're not going to want to miss this. We're going to have an extensive conversation with her about all kinds of things. It's going to be lit. So join me right here on Wednesday and Friday. We also have a really fun show lined up for you. So join me the rest of the week, Wednesday and Friday. And in the meantime, have a great start to your week. And I'll see you next time on Wednesday. Wednesday.